You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And belly on up to the 9-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. 30 minutes of socks for fans by fans known as Socks in the Basement. It's all brought to you by the company named one of the Southtown's best in 2021. They'll probably get the same honor this year. The Daily Southtown hands that out, and they handed it out to Family Waterproofing Solutions. For bowing walls, window wells, foundation and crack repair, you got to fix the concrete around the house. It's going up, it's going down. That's a foundation issue. You don't need to break all that up. They can raise and lower that without messing anything up around your house, and, and it keeps your house safer from water getting in, your sump pumps, your gutters that need to be cleaned, crawl space, encapsulation, anything you can think of. Family veteran owned and operated since they started in 2013. And you can see what a difference a family makes at FamilyDry.com. Give them a call 24-7-365. 365 Mention Socks in the Basement. You get a deep discount. 708-330-4466. We are a little late putting out the show today. It's a Tuesday afternoon release instead of a, uh, a Tuesday yeah, morning. Just yeah, just a bit. It's okay. Yeah. I, you know what? Look, I, I do a lot with the podcasting thing. I, I don't think people like get it. They kind of figure like, hey, it's just two buddies at a bar. And it is. This show really is just two buddies at a bar talking White Sox. And it was kind of done for fun originally. I was explaining this to somebody the other day. It was done for fun originally because I couldn't remember how to start a podcast. I had one for a long time and I had this idea to start this little network to do it professionally and for the last couple of years this is all i do but the sack show was done like hey let's just sit down and talk socks i'm sure nobody will listen to what we have to say and it blew up and it's it's done so well and we've got you know amazing sponsors that have been with us for years everybody from red wing shoes the family waterproofing to, to cork and carry at the park and the village of lamont is with us and there's a few new ones that uh, are signing contracts this week from what i understand and we're very fortunate that we have so much support and that you support those that support us. But it gets busy, Ed. And I think I hadn't taken a day off between all the shows and other people's shows that I produce out of my studio in like two weeks. And dad calls me on Sunday and goes, we got tickets to this day game on Monday. And my original thought was just go with dad and then head home and and, and knock out the show. Right. And you, you know what? You're out with your father. You have, I hadn't even seen him in a month. He had been down in Florida. You're laughing, you're talking, you're having a couple of beers. I was like, I'm making a day out of this. I'm taking a day off. So I apologize for the show getting out a little bit late on a Tuesday. Yeah, well, by the time you got home from the game yesterday, your text messages were making frequently less sense as they went on. <laughs> as you're texting me and our guest today, Jordan Lazowski, about the recording schedule. So, right, right. None of that was um, English. Ha- no happy English. to see you back on your feet after what was probably a good day at the ballpark with your dad. So, oh, yeah. Well deserved, though. Oh, yeah. A good day at the ballpark. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that we saw there. One, one of the things that we saw on the field that I don't think anybody has observed yet. And this is something for you to do when you go to the ballpark and AJ Pollock is in the outfield. Watch him stand out there in between pitches. He reminds me of that kid in Little League that you're coaching the team. It's a bunch of like seven and eight-year-olds. You look out in the outfield and there's AJ sitting on the ground playing with dandelions or kicking his glove or chasing a butterfly. 
I've never seen somebody in my entire life as a pro baseball player so disinterested in everything going on around him until the until the crack of the bat. Like you see some guys get ready as the pitcher goes into the windup. AJ gets ready as the bat is being swung. Like he is, he is the latest guy to get ready for what's going to happen on the play. You see him out there and it, he's I, I observed him multiple times. My dad and I were laughing. We were sitting down the down the uh, down the third base line and we're in the 300 level. We're looking down at him out there in left field on Monday. And he did everything from uh, he was fixing his nails like he, he looks like he's a nail peeler. He kind of he kind of takes off the tops of his nails with his with his other fingers. OK, so he's giving himself a little little manicure out there in the third inning. Uh, he, he also was trying to get something out of his teeth. I think during the fourth, there's a lot of adjusting going on. There's a lot of just kind of like looking around at the crowd. And then like you'll hear like the crack of a bat and he's there. Like, I, I, I don't blame him for the one that got over his head. Nobody was going to get to that thing. Okay, he was he's Johnny on the spot while he's out there playing. But like you always see these guys they're they're just nice and relaxed, but they get themselves ready as the pitcher goes into the lineup. A.J. Pollock's the last guy, Ed. As long as he's not doing something truly detrimental, like giving himself a pedicure on the field, then <laughs> then we're, we've got problems. We're but I mean, honestly, if you peel, you peel the nail, that's what you're using to get the thing out of your teeth. So it's all really just one <laughs> transaction here. I mean, I was I was waiting for that. I was waiting for them to just take a shoe off, start working on the big toe. Like, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you just, you know. Give that a once over. Oh yeah, no. AJ AJ's out there in his own world, but I I like him out there. And and I'll I'll say this. Well, he's really historically he's very good at his job out there, so he's earned the right to kind of, you know, wool gather as they as they might say. Listen, when you have him and Robert and Adam Engel out there, you have three center fielders playing the outfield. I want to see that all the time. In my mind only only four guys should see the outfield while Aloya Menes is injured and when he comes back five. But I never want to see anybody else out there. Except for AJ Pollock, Luis Robert, uh, Adam Engel, Andrew Vaughn, and Aloya Menez when he gets back. Because either you're a high grade defensive player like Robert and Pollock and Engel, who's going to make it a lot easier on your pitcher. I mean, there are a lot of balls hit out there into the outfield that guys had to go and get during that cease outing. That it was amazing. All right. He had a he had a great outing, but the defense in the outfield made it even better. And then you have guys that make up for it with their bat, like Andrew Vaughn or Aloy Jimenez. And, and in my mind, those are the only five I ever want to see out there. I get frustrated when I see somebody else walk out in the outfield. If everybody's healthy, those are the only guys that should be playing. And you got to get Pollock going. I mean, this is a guy for his career can be one hell of a contributor for you, not only defensively, but offensively. Get him in the game. And I also feel like Adam Engel. I mean, he comes up with a big hit in that game. I want to see more of him. Then less than him because his glove it adds to your team, takes away runs, and it's a positive impact. And I feel like when the game starts and you have those guys out in the outfield that I mentioned, those possibilities, you're putting your team in a positive stance to win a baseball game. Well, and the the other guy that gets play out there right now is who Gavin Sheets, right? And and you don't want to see Larry Garcia out there. I think we've established that over and over again. But Sheets is. Still below Vaughn, I think, in terms of defensive ability out in the outfield. Oh, I wouldn't put and him Vaughn's out there anymore. The, I wouldn't put. I'm sorry. Like an emergency start sometimes. Yeah. You're, you got a great matchup or sometimes something like that. But I mean, he can DH four times a week uh, when he gets the right matchup. But I, I this whole everybody's got to get the same amount of games. That's got to end. And he can spell. He can spell Jose in at first base. He's fine. I I, I don't mind him as a first baseman. 
right? No, he was first base on Monday. That's where he should be. Spell spell Abreu at first once a week and let him DH. Move into the DH spot a couple times during the week. And in an emergency or if there's injuries, put him out in right field. Other than that, I don't I don't get it. I mean, it's the same thing with Garcia. I mean, Garcia has a negative impact. Just look up his defensive metrics. He he's actually he actually loses you runs over the course of a season. I think he was worth uh, three or four runs of the opposition. Okay, when he was playing the outfield in 2021, he's already a negative one B war this year, and the season's brand new. I w- I wouldn't I wouldn't put him or Sheets out in the outfield if everybody's healthy. If everybody's healthy and Adam Engel could put one down the line like he did the other day. And I think if you gave this guy a bat, you'd see what you saw out of him in 2019 and, and in 2020 when he wasn't dealing with injury. And I think that's a pretty good fourth outfielder. OK, he should be the fourth outfielder. He shouldn't be the fifth or the sixth walking in there because Tony likes to tinker. I, I, if this roster is used the right way, this team can pull itself out of being under 500 and get itself in the first place pretty quickly. They have the talent. They show that they went out there and they beat the angels two out of four. They split a series after just a horrible run. They could have won three out of four if they would have completed that big comeback coming. Uh, what was that on Sunday? And they, on Monday, this is a team that got seven hits, scratched out three runs and played good defense with Dylan Cease on the mound, but also against a really good pitcher in Sandoval. That's a good young 26-year-old or 25-year-old pitcher out there that has not been giving up a lot of runs and not letting a lot of guys on base. You got guys on base, and you scored runs throughout the game against him. Okay, that that's a positive turn. You can feel the momentum shifting with this team, but a lot of it comes from having the right guys out there defensively and setting your lineup properly and playing your best players. That's the most important thing. Well, and outfield defense, I think, is underrated for this staff, too, because this is not a ground ball staff, right? We, we've we've talked about Dallas Keuchel and Aaron Bummer. We'll leave them alone for a second. But really, everybody else, Cease in particular, Giolito, Lance Lynn when he's back, these are guys that tend to give up fly balls. And when you have good outfield defense, it can save a whole lot of problems for you because there's less damage done from a ball squirting by... Jake Berger at third base or, uh, you know, something something that Josh Harrison or Larry Garcia couldn't get to or last year when Cesar Hernandez was there, whoever. But if balls are falling in the gaps or in front of outfielders that could otherwise be caught, like you said, there was a couple of hits. You know, there's a couple shots yesterday that, that guys had to go up and, you know, they had to go and get to it. So when you have an outfield defense that is three center fielders like Pollock and Robert and Engel – it harkens back to having an outfield defense that is championship caliber, like when you had Aaron Rowan, Jermaine Dye, who I think was a little underrated in people's minds for how good he was in right field. He was. He was very Scott good. Scott Pesednik, who at least was was fast and could get to it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And you need that. You need to have your, you know, your best players at some point have to play. I mean, that was the one thing. I mean, Dad and I were talking. I'm going to give a little dadism before we get to Jordan Lazowski here. But he was sitting there, and we've heard it. We've heard it from George Hoffman when he's come on the show. He used to cover Tony LaRussa. Talked recently with John Cangelosi, who played with him. We've had Ron Kittle on the show before, uh, who played for him. We, you know, we, we've talked to some of the old-time players before. We've talked to people that have covered the team. We talked to people that cover the team now. You know, Scott Merkin's been on the show recently, and Scott Greger's been on the show, and James James Fegan's been on the show, and, and and the general theme whenever we talk about Tony La Russa kind of matches up with something that my father, who's in his 70s and watched Tony all throughout the 80s and has watched him because he's a big baseball fan even when he was with other teams. He's like, you know, early in the season, Tony loves to just let everybody play about the same amount, try him out everywhere, and say, did you get better at this? Can I use you? 
in this position later on in the year. And that's what March is, or that's what April was. And now that April's over, like Liam Hendricks said, uh, after the game on Monday, April showers bring May flowers. It's time to start winning. And you hope that Larusa has now gotten the same viewpoint of what he has on his roster that we have, that the majority of intelligent baseball fans that watch this team see. And he starts to understand, these are my outfielders. These are my infielders. These are my starters. These are the guys that can hit at the top of my lineup. These are the guys that cannot do these things that I just said. And then he starts crafting the lineup, and it's a better lineup going out there. If he does that, everything that happened in April is forgiven because this team will be in first place by the All-Star break by a couple of games, and they should be. They're not there by that point. You have every right to be disappointed. Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. On the phone line with me right now, one of my favorite people to have on the show, but it's always best to have Jordan Lazowski on when he can come on and gloat from SoxOn35th.com. The man who told you Dylan Cease was a stud way before any of you believed him, Jordan Lazowski. How are you, my friend? You know, I'm always in a great mood when I get to talk about Dylan Cease, Chris, and especially in a good re- in a good way. First of all, the stash is incredible. Uh, he goes out there and he commands the mound. He looks like he he knows that you're not going to get a hit off him when, when he's out there. There's supreme confidence. I noticed when I was sitting, you know, I was on the dugout side. He comes off the mound with this look on his face like, I own this place. There is an, a supreme confidence to him. And and then the numbers back up that he really is as good as, as he looks right now, especially early on in the season. Dylan Cease, he's got a fielding independent pitching that's lower than his 2.48 ERA which means without the players involved, he'd even be better. His whip is like a closer's at uh, .93. And it, it, he just, he looks incredible when he's out there. What is the key? Is there is there a change that you see that he's done? Is it just getting more, you know, more maturity, understanding how to attack each batter? It, it's 100% the confidence piece that we had talked about. It's, you know, we saw last year, there were mechanical changes. There were things within the specific pitch structure itself that he needed to change. And having Ethan Katz, they got through that mechanical piece. The next thing was between the ears. And a lot of fans thought, you know, he'd never make that next step that myself and a lot of fans were like, hey, this kid can do that because it was all between the ears. And it's trusting your stuff to get ahead of people. And then stay ahead of them. Don't go 0-2 to 2-2 to 3-2 and then walk him because you're trying to make a perfect pitch. Trust your stuff enough that you, you, you work around the plate and you stay within the zone and you still feel confident in, in doing that. And because he started to do that, he started to miss in the zone more or miss just off the plate more. We've seen 
more swings and misses. You've seen the chase rate go up on his pitches, meaning guys are swinging out of the zone more than they used to. And it's because he's attacking the zone with confidence. That's been that next step that, you know, anyone who may have doubted his abilities is like, there's that mental aspect he still needs to get over. And through these first five games, these five starts of his, he has shown, you know, I am ready to take that next step, uh, the, the mental piece that comes along with it. And that's why you're seeing the results that are on the field today. You know, and, and I think you can bring it right down if you want to simplify what you're talking about to in his last start, he faces Mike Trout three times. Trout has four at-bats, and he strikes out all four times in that game. I, I was actually amazed. I saw the great Mike Trout strike out four times, and I don't think there's a lot of people who will be able to say that in their life. He is a superstar. And in that first inning, when he gets Trout up there, he had actually gone deep in the count with the first two guys. And then he gets Trout up there, and he one, two, three, just attacks the best hitter in baseball. And it was only the third time that Trout saw him, where you could see that Trout was almost sitting on fastball, and Cease knew what Trout was looking for, that the count went deep. But when when it came time for him to make a perfect pitch, he did it. He, I mean, he might have got a little bit of help from the framing on that last one. Okay, Yasmani Grandal helped him out an awful lot, another one of your favorite players. But those two combined to take down Trout for a third time, and that was the only time he really had to put a lot of effort into it because he was so confident in his stuff during that, that start. Yeah, that's exactly what it comes down to. It's Get, I mean, all three times, he was ahead of Trout 0-2. Now, his second at-bat, he lost and made a 3-2, just didn't make the pitches he wanted to make. But you saw what he was doing, trying to change Trout's eye level so that he could come back and attack with lower fastball. Like, you saw the process there. And, and it's about, you know, even when you don't make the perfect pitch, still trusting your stuff enough to say, here's the next one. He throws a 3-2 fastball to Trout. See if you can hit it. Like, that, that's the sort of game planning, the confidence that, you know, there's two aspects to it. The game planning is the first piece. So if you can execute your plan and trust your plan that you, Ethan Katz, Grandal, all all come up with together, and then go out and execute it and have the confidence to execute it, now you take it to that next level. And and that's kind of what you're seeing now is the game plans probably haven't changed, but the execution of them has, and, and that's why you're able to get ahead stay ahead, trust your stuff, miss around the zone to where it still looks appealing, but don't try and make that perfect pitch to where you're almost aiming the ball. Like we, we tell our kids all the time, like your kid, anyone who's coached or heard of coaches, like don't aim, like don't try and make that perfect pitch. Trust your stuff enough. And, and that's what you're seeing from C's now. You hear Jordan talking about that. We tell our kids, Jordan's a coach. Everybody just assumes because of the way that Jordan kind of looks like you, you look like, you know, a little skinny guy with glasses. He clearly doesn't play the game. He doesn't know anything about the game. And you're, you're a, you're a high school baseball coach, correct? I am. Yes. It's been one of the privileges and joys of my past couple months is getting to start as a uh, high school JV baseball coach. So it's been awesome learning a lot, teaching a lot. And now you hear me say things like, our kids. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, <laughs> not, like, yeah, that's what I mean. I don't have kids. I, I've been 
babysitting 30 of them for a couple months now. Yeah, so. exactly. And high school kids are hard to babysit. Uh, SoxOn35th.com has partnered up with us ever since the beginning of December. We love the partnership. Keep seeing new things on the website. Jordan writes great analysis along with the rest of the staff that's over there. Make sure you check out everything they have. They, they're doing like, you know, uh, series previews and post-game uh, wraps of all the uh, the different games that the White Sox are playing and then analysis and jumping into the minor leagues is just one of the best spots to go to and we're lucky enough that Socks in the Basement is featured on that website along with our own at SocksInTheBasement.com. Uh, before I get out of here, Jordan, I, I do want to ask you, uh, we're talking here early on in this show about the outfield that got thrown out there on Monday and how great it was defensively. And we're talking about there are guys who are clearly uh, your outfielders you should be using and some of them really not. And the same thing in your infield. Have we gotten to the point where the White Sox should be playing their best players and that at this point, if a guy's got to sit on the bench for a couple of days, then so be it because we need to dig out of this hole? Or do you understand the constant changing of the lineups? I understand what has been done with the lineups. It's it's hard to continually play your best nine all 162 for all of the things I disagree with Tony LaRus on. That doesn't happen to be one of them. At the same time, though, until this team can get itself rolling enough to where you feel confident saying, hey, Andrew Vaughn's my best bat. Like, he's been injured, so maybe this isn't the best example. But Andrew Vaughn's my best bat right now. Like, I can give him a day off. Well, can you? Because the other eight guys in the lineup aren't performing right now. So it's like, you, you have to balance it. If I understand what's being done with the lineups, but at the same time, it's, it's not the time to rest your hot bat. It's not your time to rest someone who's got a couple hits in the series. Like, you can't, you're, you're trying to dig yourself out of a hole. You, you can't let yourself get back any farther if you have aspirations to win this division. So you, you have to make sure everyone's healthy come October, but at the same time, you can't sit guys maybe as much as you'd like to. So I, I think there's going to be continual balancing uh, of the lineups and probably a lot of discord on, or discourse on Twitter, social media, wherever, on the lineups at the same time, so... Yeah, but Twitter's not real, so I'm not worried about it, okay? <laughs> Jordan Lazowski and every guest on Socks in the Basement proudly brought to you by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventures? You've come to the right place to see all of your shopping, dining, exploring options. Visit LamontDowntown.com today. Dylan Cease, big game on Monday, and uh, of course, a big game because Ed, uh, he he traded him to me in fantasy baseball last year, and that was the moment that Dylan Cease became a star, right? Yep. In fact, I will uh, take submissions from our listeners as to who I should acquire next so that I can complete the turnaround for this White Sox team. So tell me which player you would like me to rehabilitate by having on my team, having him suck for about three weeks and then turn around and trade him to Chris. <laughs> like this is this is how it goes like every year. I you get a White Sox player. He looks like he's, he's going to be good. He has a rough start. I acquire him. The guy becomes a star. Dylan Cease is a star. I was just on a Cubs podcast. I, we were invited on to the uh, San Ranto show leading into the, the Cubs series. So I talked to them on Sunday night and they wanted to just kind of preview it and talk with, you know, somebody who, you know, talks about the team. So they asked us from Socks in the Basement and I jumped on and talked for about 20 minutes. And a question that was posed to me, Ed, was, is Giolito or Kopech the best pitcher on the White Sox? Because that's 
the lineup against the Cubs. So that's all they were concerned about. And they don't want to admit it because they gave him to us. But I said, no, Dylan Cease is the ace of the staff. Dylan Cease is the best pitcher on that staff. I'm, I, I have a, a love affair just like Jordan Lazowski with Dylan Cease right now. Well, it, it's not only that Dylan Cease is the best pitcher on the staff, but I would almost argue at this point, if you look back at the rebuild trades, Dylan Cease, I think, is the best player that Rick Hahn acquired from all those trades because from a production standpoint and where he is and what he's been able to, to accomplish now, I think he has surpassed, certainly Kopech, in terms of the pitching. But I think you could make the argument that Dylan Cease is way more important to this team right now than Yohan Moncada, Aloy Jimenez, Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, or Dane Dunning, even though Dane Dunning basically turns into Lance Lynn, right? I, I'm just, I'm at a point where I'm, well, and, and of course, you know, you could go all the way back to trading Alex Rios for Larry Garcia if you want to. <laughs> oh, let's not. But of the trades that have been made, that one player, I think, stands out more than anything because, first of all, finding ace-level pitching is not easy in this league. It is almost easier to find a guy who could hit like Eloy Jimenez hits than it is to find a pitcher who can do what Dylan Cease did on Monday to a good Angels team, right? I mean, that's that seven innings with 11 Ks and, and an efficient seven innings, too. I mean, that was the, the key to that one. Cease going forward is going to have, I think, a greater impact on whether or not this team wins one than I think overall that Jimenez or Moncada will, partially because those two guys don't stay in the lineup the entire year. And we have had periods of time where we've looked at them and looked at their production so far and said, we think that they can do better. If Cease continues this climb, and we're still questioning some of these hitters, and even with Giolito, as good as he is, I, I think he's topped out. I, I think you get to a point where you can sit there and say, you know, that Jose Quintana trade was really, first of all, Rick's best trade, maybe, right? And of that, the guys that he he grabbed, Dylan Cease might end up being the one that we look back at and go, well, that was that was the jewel in the crown. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Yohan Moncada coming back, that's imminent. I don't know if by the time this show comes out, he might already be up. I, I was hearing rumors on Monday that he could be on the team by Tuesday. He's definitely going to be here in the next couple of days. Johnny Cueto's on the way. Joe Kelly just had his first rehab uh, stint right. where he went out. And he went one, two, three in an inning. And you got three guys that are coming on to this team. Moncada coming back is going to be big. Okay, Yohan Moncada adds to your defense immediately. Okay, Jake Berger's done okay over there at third base, but Yoan Moncada is going to add to your defense, and Yoan Moncada is a good hitter. All right, well, like we, he that we're upset that he's not a three or a four hitter in your lineup, or he isn't he isn't hitting forty home runs. But you know what he did in twenty nineteen, it, it's it's okay if we get what we've we've gotten out of him recently, even his twenty twenty one. It's okay. That's he's still a positive impact on your team. It's you're going to have a professional starting baseball player that has the potential to have moments and make great plays and is going to lock down third base for you. And it's going to be it's going to be awesome to have him back when you get him back, though. And I believe Cueto will be here in a week. And I, I I'm sure Joe Kelly is not far behind. You've got three guys being out of this team. Two just had to be trimmed off because you went from twenty eight to 26 allowed on the major league roster. And you're going to have to open up three spots. So my question to you is, will the White Sox open up those three spots by going for who are the best 26 to have on our team? Or will the White Sox still look at how much money a guy is making? And I'm looking right at Dallas Keuchel 
as one of the people I'm talking about. <laughs> Aren't you just looking right at him? Yeah, I'm looking right at him right now because Dallas Keuchel's done. We asked the question in, uh, at one point in the last year, there's an actual episode that has like a, is Dallas Keiko cooked? And there were people that were really mad at us for putting that episode out. Well, guess what? Ever since that episode came out, I haven't seen him do anything that has changed my mind on it. He's cooked. And, and when John Danks had all that money on his contract years ago, and the Sox surprisingly early on in the season just DFA'd and released him and ate the money, the stats are very similar to what Keiko's doing now. You already know you don't want him to get enough innings that he vests for next year. So you're just going to basically make this a sunk cost at some point this year. He's not going to be on the team. It, when you when you start off bad and you're already behind the eight ball and under 500 early on, do you really want to march him out there? Or when Cueto comes up, do you finally cut bait? What do you think? Well, I don't know who else you cut bait with for Keiko. Okay. Jake Berger going down to Charlotte when Yohan Moncada comes up is pretty much written in the stars at this right. point. Berger's not, he's not doing great. He's not doing terrible but it's just you know he hasn't well, well here's the thing there are there are 14 pitchers right now on the roster and 12 players so you could just pull relief pitchers out and start tossing them okay you really could make all three spots out of the pitching staff and you'd end up with 13 and 13 when you were all said and done okay but right. I, you're right I do think Berger probably goes down yeah I, I think they want Berger playing every day why why wouldn't you he's he is either one your best bat coming back up if somebody gets hurt or two he is, you know, a guy that you are going to hope has significant trade value at the deadline if if you need to make a move because he might be your best piece in that regard, right? But the, you know, the the question then becomes, well, who who goes? You're right. Who goes when Cueto comes up and basically takes Dallas Keuchel's spot? I would argue Vince Velasquez, for as much as we made fun of that signing, has actually had some has been more positive than negative in his starts. I mean, it's not great. But I think he's got more value right now. And if you are looking at strictly performance, where are you going to put Dallas Keuchel that he is going to be useful to you if he's not at least soaking up some innings and trying not to get shelled? And that is kind of where he's at. Not to mention the fact that much like the situation with the Mets with Robinson Cano, the lack of production is there. There are better options that you may not want to lose for guys that you may not want to, to send down that you might have to think about options and things like that. But also, I think at this point, Keuchel's comments, throwing his teammates under the bus after he has done things like walk five guys in five innings and give up nine singles. You know, when he was saying, like, I'll give up all those singles in one, you know, one blast every time, you're sitting there going – everybody else is in that locker room. I, you know, I don't know. I'm not there, but I would think everybody else in that locker room would be like, look, fella, we don't necessarily need you or that kind of you know, right. stuff. Yeah. Right. Tim Anderson made a couple of errors, but you're the one who gave up nine friggin' hits. And then in your next start, you go out and you walk five guys and give up six hits in five innings. You're getting shelled. Your whip is huge. He's putting two and a third baseball players on base. Every inning, his whip is 2.333. That's, that's, it's gross. It's disgusting. It makes me want to throw. He's basically, he's basically going to have the bases loaded every inning. He's not a professional pitcher anymore. He doesn't belong on a professional baseball team. He's only there right now on this team today because he's making $20 million. And at some point, if you're going to be a championship team, at some point you have to say, we gave him, well, what would it would have been the total have been here? $60 million for three years. We got a year and a half of good out of him. And it was an investment that we put in while we were trying to get through the last stages of our rebuild. It's all part of the sunk cost, and it's time to put the best guys out there. And I think that's why Cueto is still getting a couple more starts. I, I really think they probably could bring him up now if they felt there was an emergency. 
But it's, all right, let's just give Dallas every bit of rope to completely hang himself. And also, when Cueto comes up, we want him to be 100% because we're going to make this move. And we want to make sure that that guy who's going to slide in the rotation, that guy is ready to go. And I think that's why. I think you could bring him up right now in an emergency. But I think at this point, it's because I think Keiko might be on the chopping block. I hope he is. I'm sorry. I hope he is. It's not my money, but also even if it was my money, if I really wanted to win a championship, I wouldn't be making it harder on my team to dig out of this hole by pitching that guy every five days. And I don't think he's a guy that comes out of the bullpen and gets anything done. Uh, now, he is a guy that could store supplies in his beard for A.J. Pollock for whatever he needs when he's out in left field. So, you know, if he needs some shoe polish or if he needs a snack, he could just, you know, the beard can hold it for him and he could just reach over the, the bullpen wall. So if you want him to be, his beard to be A.J. Pollock's left field duffel bag, that's still very expensive for what it is, but I guess I guess that's his use in the bullpen. Yeah, but we could just buy A.J. Pollock a, like a fanny pack, you know, and then he could just go out there and bring his little supplies out. You know what? Let's let's meet in the middle. Let's buy AJ Pollock a fanny pack with Dallas Keuchel's face on it. <laughs> there we go. Problem solved. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found, and always on socksinthebasement.com.